Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot. Where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Welcome home, Brains. There's only one requirement to hang out on the edge, is that you open your big brain and close your small mind. Did you bring your thinking caps? It's time to put them on, because the conversation starts On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains, you're at your favorite spot, the best podcast on the planet, no doubt. This is the place where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, the responses are never dull. And today is no different than any other day. We're going to learn, but we're also going to play. We are going to play with Jana Ponte Jockas. Much time, and she always looks so happy uh, because she's doing something for little people. And this will also give some great tools and insight for parents that are dealing with children with special needs. You know, let's keep it real, brains. It's a lot, okay? It's a full container. And so, how are you able to offboard some of these things? Come in with some new creative ideas, have a rest break for yourself, and everything be wonderful. So we're counting on you, Jenna. Welcome to On the Edge. Oh, thank you so much, April. I'm I'm so happy to be here today and uh, in front of your community of brains. It's just, it's the best way I can think of spending my time this morning. So it is. appreciate we being green, here. We were in the green room and I said, you know what, Taylor's got her Swifties, Beyonce's got her beehive, but I've got the brains. How about that? And you are <laughs> Tell us how you show up in this world and uh, how you became, number one, a landscape architect and how you came up with this innovative idea of uh, natural play. Well, okay, I'm going to clarify you first. Um, I I did not come up with the idea of natural play. Um, This has been a trend that has been around for quite a number of years now. And quite honestly, it's the way that we have come together to create a recipe for success. Oh boy. Um, I I love that question. So uh, to unpack that a little bit, um, I've been doing this work for over 23 years now um, and started, basically found the rabbit hole of nature play very early on in my career. So essentially when I first came out of school and started my career as a landscape architect, I discovered the, the magical realm of designing for kids. And I realized immediately that's where my heart was and it has been the most uh the deepest and most fascinating rabbit hole I've ever been down my my professional work um and so for for, the red pill or the blue pill (laughs) well I took I don't know like a different color a totally different color like (laughs) it might have been a gummy bear um so (laughs) Yeah, that made me uh, lose my tra- uh, train of thought. Um, so, so, so we were basically talking about, you know, landscape. Well, let me interject while you're getting your train of thought back. Sure. Um, an architect is a designer, yes, a creator of space. Yes. Uh, landscape architect, I really like that because now you incorporate nature. You're looking at right. uh, not only just the area but you're looking at the plants and the shrubbery and how this is going to make people feel you're going to put in the yes. and all that kind of stuff yeah that's pretty 
much been, and I shouldn't maybe generalize, but that was pretty much a male-dominated field for a long time. Totally. It, yeah, totally. And it's shifted. It's shifted since I've been in, in, in the profession. But yeah, when I came out of school, it was um, very male-dominated. And um, there were glass ceilings all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of women breaking through that and, and you know, doing mind-blowing work um, in this work. And and uh, yeah, landscape architects, we, we design outdoor environments, um, everything you can think of from parks and trails and, and children's spaces to prisons and skate parks and, and you know, the gamut. Hmm. And I knew early on that, you know, to be a general landscape architect, that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, but I knew early on that that wasn't quite my path and that I wanted to kind of specialize and so, as I was mentioning earlier, when I um, came to realize that designing for children can be a niche that can put food on the table and feed your soul at the same time, that's, I knew that was the right path for me. And so I just started walking down that path. And pretty soon um, uh, I'm bringing, because I'm also an artist. And so uh, my master's work was how to incorporate earth art so creating artwork out of a natural environment, whether it's contouring a land or twigs and and uh, flowers, what what have you, um, how can that contribute to learning? And so, how if you put that in a school setting, what does that look like? And so that really opened up my mind um, in terms of the potentials uh, for the um, how nature can be used to grow the whole child, their learning, their play, their spirit, and all of that. And so that's kind of really where the bud of my work started was 23 years ago. Um, And early on in that time, I also became interested. um, I've always had a really soft spot for kids with special needs and their families. Um, But I became aware of autism and neurodiversity. And that was this whole other section of this rabbit hole I was going down. And um, that uh, becoming, more understanding and aware of an ex- of a child who experiences neurodiversity, their experience of their environments and how they can thrive really shifted my work in understanding that when we can support children with neurodiversity in their environments, we actually support all kids. Because first and foremost, it boils down to their nervous system and their senses and how their senses perceive and filter and process environmental information Mm. that forms their reality. And it's the same for all kids because all kids, like when they pop out in the world, that is their mission is to pick up as many sensory experiences as they can so that they're building a database of information, uh, understanding their world, understanding social situations and everything else, understanding themselves all starts with the senses and the nervous system. It's and beautiful so when, because what you do also, it heightens their senses, but it heightens their sense of awareness and makes them more comfortable because just from me, I don't yes. have a child with autism uh, or that is neurodiverse, but from what I've observed and what I've seen is that they tend to be more introverted because mm-hmm. they're processing things. So to be able to use the sense of touch, the sense of smell, uh, the sound, yeah. the environment, that really radiates with them to make them calm to make them more comfortable but also give them something to do and engage even if it's a a child that does repetitive motion 
they can, you know, they can work in a garden or they can sit in a yeah. in a field. So I mean, that's that's really great. That is really great. Yeah. Are there a lot of uh, other architects or other individuals. Is this growing in the field of landscape uh, architecture? Not so many. Not so many. I mean, a design industry wide, when we're counting architects and interior designers and and landscape architects and what have you, there's very few of us that um, that one um, design supportive environments for for children and people with uh, autism and other, and other neurodiversities. But I quite honestly, I don't know of anyone else in the industry that comes from the sensory approach like the same way I do. Um, Brilliant. And I talk about, yeah, it's it's been really phenomenal. Um, I talk about children's, like we're multi-sensory beings, are we not, April? And brains, yeah, we are multi-sensory exactly. beings. Exactly. And um, I talk about supporting children's seven senses. There's not just five. There's two more physical senses that uh, children's environments, indoor or out, need to support in order for them to truly understand their environments and to navigate their environments and to thrive in their daily lives. And so what are the uh, other those two? other, yeah, the other two are um, their movement-based systems. So the first one, uh, the technical term is called the vestibular system. It's our body orientation system. And so it tells us uh, where our heads are at relative to gravity. So are we right side up? Are we upside down? Are we sideways? So if you've ever had vertigo, if you've ever been on a roller coaster and you're feeling really queasy afterward, that's like a really unhappy vestibular system. It's located in our inner ear. We've, we probably are all very familiar with, with this. So kids, to feed this system, they swing and they spin and they roll and they crawl and they get their bodies moving in all sorts of different ways, big body movements. Um, and so feeding that system really helps with uh, balance, equilibrium, body confidence, um, you know, being able to move a, a, a body, your, your body in a variety of different ways um, and, and many other things. And then the other one is really fascinating. It covers a lot of things. It's, it's called our proprioceptive system or proprioception, and it's also our body awareness system. And this one um, tells us, it's all internal. It tells us where our bodies are at relative to the things around us in our environments where our limbs are at relative to our core. And so when we um, close our eyes and, and touch our finger with our, um, touch our nose to our, with, with our finger, that's our proprioceptive system. And so big body movement. And it also has to do with fine motor skills, fine, very fine movements. And the use of- Is that of, why they always ask you that when the police pull you over? Uh, can you touch your nose? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alcohol and the proprioceptive system don't mix, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That's great bits of information because I'm aware of them, but I didn't put them in the context of also being a part of the senses. So there are yeah. seven senses, but also yeah. the eighth sense, your common sense. Totally. And common sense is not so common anymore. You True. have a lot of people, I'm going to pick on parents right now, that absolutely don't want to believe that their child is different. They're all different brains, news flash, oh. every single one of them. There's not a carbon copy of anybody on the planet, okay? Um, but it's hard for them to adjust. It's hard for them to, number one, uh, deal with the situation, identify with the situation, 
trying to manage it and rectify it the best way that they can. How do you support parents in this yeah. process, just like you support their children? Yeah, yeah. Um, my my personal belief is that we all came to this world um, very intentionally in the expression, human expression that we did. And we are, like you just mentioned, we're all different. We're all wired differently. Our nervous systems are all wired differently to perceive our world in, in different ways, sometimes dramatically different ways. And so when parents can can realize that the, being different is not being less, um, that sometimes in their difference lies their superpowers, uh, sometimes in their difference lies the the greatest love that you can they they are pulling out of you. Maybe they're in this the, this differing human expression to pull something out of you. And so it's really a shifting of the mindset um, and, and to really not think of your child as, you know, by these standards that we've set as society, you know, maybe they're, they're not quite there yet, but what does that matter really? I mean, all children blossom in their own way at their own time and each is equally valuable on this planet. And so really the first is that mindset. The second is when we can, we can actually tailor our indoor and outdoor environments to best support our children and their sensory needs. And if we can do that, that's going to help them. The environment's going to be a co-collaborator in their life in helping them get the sensory information that they need so that their bodies are happy so that they can go on and do blossom in their own way. And so it's really a kind of a two-prong approach in, in my perspective. Well, and that's very important that we come to the realization that it is what it is, brains. And again, I love the word that you use, your superpower. Mm -hmm. You know, a child might be, I don't know, introverted, but be an amazing artist, be an amazing uh, mathematician, be an amazing uh, magician. I was at a, a comedy show and uh, the comedian said that he had Asperger's and he was so funny. Girl, he cracked us up. And he talked about being introverted and all the challenges that he had, but making people laugh was his superpower. And look at him <laughs> now, he's on, he's on the big stage. So you never know what you know. Everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got a talent. So okay. you uh, create these beautiful architectural landscapes and parks and all that. Um, are you supported by nonprofit organizations, government funding? Are these private uh, venture capitalists who really supports you in your effort to get this work done? So, well, I have my own business called In Is for Nature Play, and so I work through that. And then my clients are are so uh, there's such variety in them. I've worked for public schools and private schools and early childhood centers. Um, uh, I've designed a number of outdoor classrooms. Mm -hmm. um, I've uh, a middle school sensory garden. Um, and some private sensory gardens as well for kids. Um, so really, uh, my clients come from all over the place, and and their funding is is also uh, widely uh, varied uh, from you know grant funding to you know maybe there's an individual donor or something like that. So it's kind of like the community is coming together, and in many cases, the community comes together to help create this environment. And then I, I'm just I one like of the facilitators. Know, I like to know who's pouring into that. Who's pouring into the betterment of our children and not labeling them, putting them in the corner, making them feel shame, drugging them, but who's really putting uh, this at the forefront 
there's a lot of kids being diagnosed now more than ever. We used yeah. to just say, oh, they're a little hyperactive. Uh, they're a little this, they're a little that. Then it got to the point where, well, your child is very disruptive and maybe we ought to put them on some medication. Now it's leaning more to people are really pouring more into the mental health aspect. Mm -hmm. And so what they want to do is they want to combat that at an early age. They want to identify it. They don't want to drug you. They want to teach the children mindfulness now. They want to yeah. teach you yoga, uh, yoga instead yeah. of putting you in, you know, timeout. Okay, well, let's just have a timeout, but a quiet, mindful that. Reiki. Now you yeah. are, you're into Reiki. Well, are you a Reiki master? Not a master. No, I'm level two. Okay. Yeah. Well, level yeah. two is good. How do you feel about people using Reiki on children? Um, you know, I'm I'm new to this realm. Um, and so I, I, I don't know if I can speak to that question with, with great authority. Um there I think the children themselves can be more Reiki masters than adults. They're they're so connected, you know. That from zero to seven, I that's the time where they're still the most connected to uh, you know, the the otherworldly realms. And um I think they have just as much power within them as someone coming to them and, and uh, working with Reiki with them. Exactly. Um, because yeah. Reiki brains, for those that don't know, is really like, I'd like to refer to it as an energy massage. Mm -hmm. And so what you want to do is you want to be careful. Again, they're young, they're tender, they're in their formative years. But there's also great things with sensory therapy, like emotional freedom technique, tapping. I found that a lot of people are using that and using that with children that are very helpful. The Reiki can be great for the parents because it'll calm your butt down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're yeah. stressed out. You know, you got the work, you got the home, you got the life, you got, you don't know what headspace your child is going to be in on that particular day. You want to give them all that you have. But again, you can't just be a straw and let everybody just suck it out of you. You've got to be able to offset that, offboard that, relax, realize what the situation is and use tools like what, uh, what Jaina has to offer and just really kind of free yourself of a lot yeah. of burdens. Absolutely. And I think just as effective as Reiki is spending time outside in nature. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you've heard of the concept of grounding or earthing. Oh, where... I all the time. I was just yeah. on the beach and I, I was there and I was sitting there um, and I said, you know what? Something's wrong. I had all of this electromagnetic energy in me from sitting in front of this device, being on the mm -hmm. phone, you know, watching the television. I just wasn't feeling right. I took my shoes off, Jenna, and I mm -hmm. buried my feet as deep as I could in the sand. And the sand was nice and cold. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I just felt like the elevator went all the way down to the basement. Mm -hmm. And when I left there, I was home for two or three hours and I still felt that cooling sensation. So, you know, speak to that definitely. And hugging trees yeah. is another one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So nature is actually the fastest way to calm our nervous system. The grounding is actually the fastest way to calm our nervous system. Um, and it's free. You can just go outside and do it. Put your feet in the grass. If you're reading a book, if you're my kids are outside playing. Um, it's just as important for you to go outside and get some time, direct contact with nature. Just It's just as important for you as it is for them. And uh, kids naturally want to do that anyway. 
you know, that's, it's part of their, their sensory drive to go find that stimulation, but they're also subconsciously connecting with nature to get that heartbeat of, of, um, the planet to get that healing frequency. And, um, they're just such open receptors for that. And, uh, that, and that's actually uh, a big driver for, for the work that I do is it's such a healing activity is just sending your kids outside play and it doesn't have to be someplace fancy it doesn't have to be a big garden it can be a nook in your backyard maybe they've got a fort maybe there's a big tree that they can climb in but that is the fastest way to find um, really profound healing for for your family i know i was talking to my girlfriend uh yesterday at breakfast and i told her we live here in the sunshine state we've got i can't tell you how many beaches we live right here on the coast do we take advantage of it no we take it for granted don't take it for granted because it was yeah. such a healing experience. I, I wanted to go the next day, but I felt like I was being greedy. I was able to meditate. My sense of smell, the ocean was heightened. My sense of a feeling because my feet were in the sand. My heightened sense of awareness for hearing because I was listening for the seagulls and I was listening for the crashing of the waves. So there was a lot going on there. So sensory therapy is very important. Also mm -hmm. uh, aromatherapy, you know, mm -hmm. that's a great way to calm lavender i yeah a test taken and she goes oh okay would you like to have a hint of lavender before these things are very important that's why we got so many of them also food you know that's a great yeah. thing and it's not always sugar brains <laughs> <laughs> right it's off the plant exactly so uh is there also gardening do you have gardening in your some of your um oh escape yeah aspects? Absolutely. Um, so I was talking about the seven senses and, and everything that goes into a child's environment is multisensory and gardening it feeds all seven senses at the same time. So it's really a one of the best um, activities that kids can do that feeds their senses in all the right ways. Um, they learn from it. They grow their own food. So they're learning that caretaker, their, that caregiver role. Um, they get to harvest the food, share it with their family, eat fresh produce, expand their palate. I mean, there's so many benefits. I I could list on and on about the benefits of, of just gardening. And it can be as simple as having a couple pots of cherry tomatoes and herbs on your back porch. So and it's so simple. It's a lot of work. I was in my garden and can I was lifting these, yeah, lifting this dirt, the water pail, you know, all that bending and all this kind of <laughs> yep. stuff. It was great. But I was uh, with one of the doctors that did the um, documentary on the five blue zones and mm -hmm. what was consistent in all five of the blue zones that's where uh, people live to be 100 years and older brains yeah. is that gardening was one of them because you connected with the earth and it was simple but it was a lot of exercise and they found that that was very important so again outdoors is the key don't just stay in take the device yeah, take it away. Uh, encourage them to put it down. Yes. Let's do this. Don't make it as a chore. Make it as a gift. I have something exciting for us to do. This is new. Let's do this. You got to talk it up, Brains. And then when you get out there, you're going to realize the benefit that you found yourself. So let's ask you some fun questions, Jenna. All right. You were an what appliance. You, you were an appliance. An appliance. What appliance would you be and why? I would probably be 
Um, my goodness, I would probably be. What a good question. I don't, I want to say microwave, but I don't like, I don't own a microwave, but I just like the, the energetics of a microwave, you know, heats things up. All right. I'd be the air fryer. It's, you know, it's quick, it's slick, it's clean. It uses a little bit of oil and it keeps things juicy and crispy. That's me. I love I that. like that. <laughs> if you were a tool in the garden, one of the garden tools, ah. what garden tool would you be? Oh, totally. Um, April, if you don't have a hori hori knife, get yourself a hori hori knife. That's my favorite garden tool. It's Japanese. A hori hori knife. What is it? It looks like a that looks like a dagger. It's about a foot or maybe eight or 10 inches long. And it literally looks like a heavy dagger. Wow. One side is smooth. One side is serrated. I use it for weeding and whatever, crying wow. things. It's the best. That's, I would be a hori hori knife. No, I'd be the no shovel. About it. Shovel. Yeah. Yeah. I just go ahead and scoop it up, turn it over. <laughs> <laughs> if you were an animal, what animal would you be? Oh, um, my favorite animal is the red-tailed hawk. Mm. Yes. I, if I could pick a superpower, it might be flying. So hawks really speak to me and I see them all over the place. So I, they're probably my favorite animal. Oh, that's beautiful. I think I'll be an elephant. Yeah. Why is that? I'm usually the party animal, but in <laughs> this particular case, I'd be an elephant um, because they travel in packs. They're very community oriented. They're good parents. Yes. They eat well, they're big, they're strong, and they never forget. That's right. They never That's forget. Right. That's good. If you had three magical wishes, what would they be? Mm -hmm. Three. Um, oh, okay. So, um, hmm. oh my gosh, you're stumping me. Um, magical wishes. Well, okay. So I would send out beauty and love wherever I go out in front of me so that's what I'm always experiencing and then it always encompasses the people I'm around um I would oh well I'd fly I'd use one of those wishes to fly yeah, <laughs> and then uh the last one is um uh I'm gonna go practical parent here and uh the wish to give my children exactly the the growing up the childhood that they need to become their best selves well you are wonderful at that um in closing provide some support and encouragement or words of wisdom to a parent that has a child that has special needs and is struggling right now what would you say to them oh um just take a big breath and and you know get into that present moment and and find there's so much to appreciate about what the child is going through how who they are um, as individuals, the beauty that they're already bringing into your life and to the lives of others around them. And just know that there is a lot of support, not, not just social support and educational support, but there is a whole world of support out there that is waiting for you if you just reach out and be curious about what else might be out there in, in support of you and your child. And, and they're perfect just as they are. That's they are right. perfect just as they are. Don't overthink it, brains. That's no. the first thing. And be appreciative and be oh. grateful. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Be gentle yeah. with yourself. Be yeah. gentle with your child. Watch your language. 
Yeah. And you can't compare yourself with anyone else. <laughs> you can't, you know, and if that's not the answer that you're seeking, uh, you know, the truth will set you free. But if that's not the answer, there's great people. There's other opportunities to go out there and look for it. Walk in nature, ground yourself. Please mm -hmm. tell my brains, Jenna, how to get in contact with you. Uh, if there is a landscaping opportunity, uh, there might be an opportunity to collaborate. There might be a great Absolutely. venture capitalist out there that wants to dump some money, something that is meaningful. Uh, yeah. The lady right here. Tell them how to get in contact with you. Oh, brains, I would love you to reach out. Um, so you can find me on my website, which is n is for natureplay.com. Um, all of my contact information is there. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. And if you really want to dive into the magic that is uh, uh, Nature Play and Neurodiversity, I have a private Facebook group that I would invite. Uh, I invite all the brains who want to participate in there. And it's called Sensory Rich Nature Play on Facebook. And it's a private group where we really dive into all the beauty and magic that surrounds Nature Play and Neurodiversity. Well, thank you so much for sharing and giving and working and cultivating uh, a space for you know, people that are neurodiverse, it's a challenge for them too, because again, they're in their own world. But again, we're one species. We're not a race. We are the human race. Thank okay. you so much for being here on the show with me, Brains. Go in and handle your business. <laughs> I need you to like, love, share, and subscribe. Like, love, share, and subscribe. Go in and check out the group. Check out Jenna's uh, some, she's got some great pictures of some landscaping that she's done, some architecture work, but also, like I said, be gentle with yourself. That's all that we have. That's the only thing that we can rely on truly and control is self. Have a great day, Brains. I love you. Bye-bye.